John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Our scripture reading for today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray today that as the word is preached, that your Holy Spirit would come and fill our hearts. Lord, the Holy Spirit leads us into truth, so we pray for that today. And Also, that we would not just be those who are hearers of the word only, but those who do, who obey your call to be disciples. So, Lord, bless these few moments we have today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say amen. I got to do something fun this week. Not that going to work every day is not fun. It is for me, but... I got to take a day off, and Karen and, and Jacob and I went to the State Fair of Texas in Dallas. How many people have been to the State Fair? Oh, my. If you've never been to the State Fair of Texas, you need to go. I used to go every year as a kid growing up in Mesquite, Texas, near Dallas, and we'd get the day off. The school district would let us go. They'd give us a free ticket. We would go. And let me tell you, things have changed 50 years later. They've changed. Although the smell of a corn dog is still the same, and it's pretty good. Had a great time, and when I was there, got to, to hear the carnival barker type people try to get you to spend money, and it reminded me of a story about giving. Carnival barker at the circus was uh, introducing the strong man. He, the strong man came up, he took a lemon, he squeezed the lemon he got every last drop out of the lemon, and the strong man said, I'll give $200 to anyone who can come up here and squeeze one more drop out of this lemon. This lady raised her hand, started walking up. You could see she was an elderly lady, skinny, bony hands, frail. She came up, she took the lemon, she squeezed and an entire teaspoon came out. And the strong man could not believe this. He gave her $200. He said, what is your secret? How do, you, how do you do that? Squeeze every last drop. And she said, I've been the treasurer of my church for 42 years. Are you kidding me? It's that season of the year where we have our stewardship emphasis for a month. And so for the next four Sundays... You'll have people like Penny Zent and others who will be sharing with you about stewardship and giving. Hopefully, everyone understands it's about one question. What would Jesus give? 
when you determine what Jesus would give, then that's what you give because you want to follow Jesus. Anyone who commits their life to Christ realizes, if they're serious about it, that giving has to mean giving what Jesus would give if he walked in your shoes, had your bank account. If he had your social media account, what would he post? Think about that. Next time before you hit the button, please. Giving like Jesus, that's just part of being a disciple. Are we to pray like Jesus? Oh, yeah. Are we to forgive like Jesus? Oh, yeah. Are we to give like Jesus? Oh, yeah. To live as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, is to give like Jesus would give. That's true discipleship. Giving like Jesus means an outward expression of heartfelt obedience. If you put God first in your life, then that means you're going to put your finances under the lordship of Jesus Christ like everything else in your life. The very first principle of Christian stewardship is simply this, that God owns it all. And everything I have is due to him. And so giving back to him is just because I have a heart of gratitude. So we decided this year um, to change the name of the stewardship campaign from just tithe to put a smile on your face. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the scripture that Pastor Jeremy read reminds us that you can give reluctantly. You don't have to give cheerfully. You can give grudgingly. You don't have to give cheerfully. I mean, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch. Trust me. To give like Jesus is to give according to the principles of his word. So every year, uh, I include in my letter to you the biblical principles about giving. There's so many more, but let me just cover a few of them. First, the Bible says that we're to give our first fruits. We're not farmers. We're not uh, those people that make a living trusting God every year for a crop, a harvest. But still the principle's the same, that we're to give the very first fruits. That shows our first priority is to give back to God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That means you give God God's portion first. You put God first. And by doing that, you are constantly reminding yourself that everything you have comes from the Lord. The Bible also says, secondly, to give proportionately. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there'll be no collections when I come. What did Paul mean by that? He was writing to the church in Corinth because he was planning to go and visit them again. And he was take, taking up an offering for another church. And he, he'd been asking them to raise the money for that. And so he's asking them to set that money aside 
strategically so that when he comes, he wouldn't have to do something that would be embarrassing for him, which is to get up and ask for money. Instead, they would have already set it aside and they would have given a portion. They would have given it proportionally. Proportional giving challenges the rich and the poor. When you're giving, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. We don't ask people to give the same amount of money. We ask for an equal sacrifice in giving a tithe, 10%. Jesus talked about this principle in a story about an elderly lady that went to the temple. Mark's gospel, writing on behalf of St. Peter, records this story. Let me read it to you. Jesus sat opposite the treasury. This is an area in the temple where the people gave money to the temple. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. And so he called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, Surely, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who've given to the treasury. For they all put, they all gave out of their abundance. But she gave out of her poverty and she put in everything she had, her whole life, her whole livelihood. You see, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Through the years, and it's certainly true here, I see the great sacrifice that many of you make. It's not easy to make budget in a family household. With kids or as a widow, it's hard. So I'm very aware and I'm very grateful for all of you who make such a sacrifice. Some of you give a tithe, 10%. Some of you even give more than a tithe. Now that he's up with the Lord, I'll tell you a story about Dr. Jim Rock. Dr. Jim Rock was not only a tither in the church, he gave over and above that because he really believed that the Lord had blessed him and he understood this principle is not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. He didn't just give out of his abundance, he gave so that he could make a sacrifice to the Lord. And that brings me to the next biblical point to give sacrificially. The the Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read the last part. I bear witness, says Paul, that they give according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, and they were freely willing to do so. Giving sacrificially means you're going to have to do some things. You're going to have to prioritize your budget You're going to maybe have to change your lifestyle. You're going to have to forfeit something that you wanted. We all do that every time we put together a household budget. The church does the same thing when we put together our budget. We don't just get everything we want. We have to decide what we can afford. It used to be 
that when you came to worship the Lord at the temple or the tabernacle, tabernacle, there were certain offerings that you would give. You would bring a bull or a goat or a sheep or a ram, give it to the priest. They would sacrifice that on your behalf. It was a sin offering, a thank offering, other kinds of offerings. Thanks be to God, we don't have to do that. I saw a lot of bulls and goats this week at the fair, which I love to do. I got to see the Budweiser Clydesdales, incredible animals. But thank God we don't have to worship the Lord bringing that kind of blood sacrifice. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and through his blood he gave the final, perfect, sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, yours and mine. Today when we come to worship, the sacrifice we're making is a sacrifice of our life and our giving to the Lord. That still needs to be in the same heart. That's why our theme is, put a smile on your face. God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible says that we're to give regularly. On the first day of the week, you're to lay something aside. The first day, on a regular basis. It also says that you're to give cheerfully. Here's what Paul wrote in his second letter to the church. Let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. That means you have to make that decision. It's a very personal decision. And you have to make that decision. As you purpose in your heart, what is the will of the Lord? Then he writes, don't give grudgingly. Don't give out of necessity. Don't give because somebody makes you give. And don't give because somebody persuaded you with great words to give. Here's what the motivation should be. God loves a cheerful giver. You want to put a smile on God's face, be a cheerful giver. Put a smile on your face because of that. I'll remind you again, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take from a grouch. Trust me. The other thing that it says, not only in the scripture, to give cheerfully, regularly, sacrificially, proportionately, but also to give quietly. Give quietly. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words... Don't let people know what you're giving. Don't let them see that. Your purpose ought to be to please the Lord. I've seen people in the church give quietly. They don't want anybody to know about their gift. They swear me to confidentiality. So I can't share with you some of the incredible times that people have come and had handed me checks, a $45,000 check, a $50,000 check, checks that blow you away. They don't want anybody to know. They just want to give it to the Lord and give quietly. I've seen over the years some amazing miracles where God has provided 
for the church's needs. Really, for the last five years, I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle right here. I can only stop and give God thanks and give him all the glory. But I want to share with you that we're a church family. And in a church family, we need one another. Everybody's got to do their part. And there are certain statistics that people can share, and I, I have a lot of them. You, you wouldn't be surprised that I get a lot of emails from people that are in the business of trying to get me to get you to give more money. Believe me, I get lots of emails, and I'm not that kind of person. I, I just trust the Lord and have all my life, and I'm just honest with people, and I teach giving and tithing. But I think you ought to know some things about the church. Did you know that churches in America receive about 27% of all charitable giving? 27% of all charitable giving. 44% of the church now, or at least U.S. adults, are digital givers. They give online and they give with their cell phone. On average, a church congregation has a yearly income of about $242,000. Our income here at this church has to be five times that amount. We're five times above average if you look at it that way. There's another way to look at it, that that's a big mountain to climb, but the Lord gives us faith to climb those mountains. Here's a sobering statistic. 37% of everyone that comes to worship. That's not every church member. That's everybody that comes to worship. They don't give. It's pretty much four out of every ten people that come to worship on Sunday do not give anything. Think about that. On average, members give less than 2.5% of their current income. When I was in seminary, that number was 2.2. I'll never forget it. And so it's kind of fluctuated between 2.2 and 2.5 all through the years. I believe that the Lord is calling us to do better than that. And I trust you and I trust him to make that happen. Here's the bottom line. Our giving simply ought to be in imitation of Christ. We ought to do what Jesus would do. I believe Jesus tithed. He was Jewish. If he didn't, that would be a sin. I believe Jesus tithed. He practiced tithing. Tithing is when you give the portion that belongs back to God. Tithing has been around since Abraham tithed. If you want to know if Jesus ever said anything about tithing, yes, he did. I'm going to share it with you. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. So Jesus was being critical because they would give money, but they wouldn't do the other things that the Lord required of them. They were okay with doing that one, but not other things. And then Jesus said to them, you should tithe, yes. 
that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's not speaking to the church. I realize the context. But he's speaking to the people who believe in God and are godly people. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things, which are to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. But that doesn't mean that we can just not tithe. You're being asked to make a very personal decision over the next few weeks. I hope you'll fill out your card. If you didn't get a card mailed to you, contact the church office. I don't want you to fill out that card until you've thought about this and prayed about it. And then when you're sure that you're, you can do what you believe Jesus would do if he was in your shoes, then write that number down. Try to be faithful to it. I hope and believe that the Lord's going to increase giving in our church. It's actually very necessary every year to do so. Let me end just sharing a story with you that impacted me when I read it. A father and his little boy were traveling on the freeway in his pickup truck, and the boy said, Dad, I'm hungry. Man, I'd love to stop for a snack. And they see the golden arches, McDonald's, Mickey D's. And the father decided to drive in, and we can have a great argument about who has the best French fries and fast food. I think it's five guys, but that's me. But he went into the golden arches. They sit at the table. And the father brings his little boy a big bag of steaming French fries. They're actually hot this time. And the boy's face, he puts a smile on his face. You see the smile, don't you? You maybe had that smile once. And the boy starts eating. And then the dad does what dads do. He went over to reach for a french fry, and his son slapped him on the hand and said, Dad, those are mine. You get your own. The dad thought about that on the way home, a very quiet drive on the way home. And he thought, you know, I give my son everything. I gave my son every french fry he ever had. All I wanted was one. My son doesn't understand something, he thought. He doesn't know that I could take all those french fries away in an instant. Or, if I felt it was best for him, I could add another bag of steaming hot fries. So abundant, he'd be overwhelmed. My son doesn't understand because he thinks it all belongs to him. And then the father thought, and the only way he got that way was because of me. And I need to share with my son that God owns it all and gives us everything to be his stewards. One day, the people of Israel gathered and gave money to build a temple. And King David had a prayer that day I want to end with. First he says this, Lord, who am I? And who are my people? 
that we should be in a position to contribute this much to you. Indeed, everything comes from you, and we've simply given back to you what is yours. Put a smile on your face as if you had extra large fries. Put a smile on your face. God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus said, the same thing I just said, only much better. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Oh Lord, your, your word challenges us because it goes right to our wallet, our purse, our bank account. That being a Christian requires giving like you. Oh Lord, help us to remember that you say you said to us, do not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. But instead you told us that where our treasure is, there where that's where our heart's going to be. Lord, give us a heart. Give us a grateful heart that we might give like Jesus. And then, Lord, put a smile on our face knowing that we did. Lord, I pray for my church every one of them, that you might put it on their heart to give like Jesus and that you would bless our campaign this year and provide for us an abundance beyond what we could ask or think all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So that last verse that Pastor Jeremy read actually talks about the grace of God and how the Lord has given that to us. Let me read it to you again. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency and all to the grace of God. We're going to sing about that grace, amazing grace right now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, oh, I'd love to talk with you about that. About the amazing Thank you for of listening with us. You know we hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.